Hi everyone, it's Aliza Licht here, your host, and I'm so thrilled to share that my new book, On Brand, Shape Your Narrative, Share Your Vision, Shift Their Perception, is out now. I hope you'll pick up a copy because personal branding is for everyone. It's for the new graduate starting out, the middle manager looking to level up, the executive who wants to be a thought leader, the entrepreneur starting from scratch. It's for anyone who wants to pivot or transition into something new. Because having a strong personal brand means that your name gets dropped in rooms you're not in and that you're thought of for opportunities that other people haven't even heard of yet. So pick up a copy and I can't wait to hear what you think. Hi, this is Aliza Licht, and this is Leave Your Mark, the podcast, where I brew fresh career advice with some of my most inspiring and successful friends. It's professional advice that you can action immediately, whether you're just starting out in your career or well on your way. With a massive to-do list and a large cup of coffee, I promise that you can get it all done and still have time to post about it. I am so excited to welcome Tiffany James to Leave Your Mark. Tiffany, welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh my God. I am like fangirling you because for everyone listening, you may not know Tiffany James' name yet, but she is literally killing it. So she is the founder of Modern Black Girl. By the way, there's no A and C in black. The largest digital platform designed for women of color to build wealth through investing in the stock market. Tiffany is self-taught. Tiffany, you turned $10,000 into $2 million of a portfolio for yourself, which is insane. And in two years, Modern Black Girl has generated millions while also educating women of color on how to invest. And you have helped so many already. And I know your goal is to get to half a million Black women and get them investing in the stock market. And of course, I read about you, I think on Bloomberg, but I reached out and I was like, oh my God, I need to have you on Leave Your Work because this is an area that so many women are like, not for me. Like, I don't know. It's scary. It's scary. So I always love to start the conversation, just getting to know you a little bit. And where are you from? Tell us the goods. I know your parents are immigrants from the Caribbean. So like you've got a beautiful heritage. So give us some details. Yes, of course. Yes. Yeah, so I am a Brooklyn girl. So I like to call myself, you know, Brooklyn, we're really prideful people. Yeah. I'm from Brooklyn originally too. <laughs> love it. Love yeah. it. Love it. Yes. Yeah, so I grew up in Brooklyn. I'm a Caribbean part of Brooklyn. So around Flatbush Avenue, Crown Heights, immigrant parents making something out of nothing, you know, wanted to provide the best for me. And I've always just kind of been a free spirit very inquisitive person wanting to know the truths of the world. That's always been me. It probably got me in a lot of trouble when I was younger. <laughs> um, just exploring and looking and doing the most, even since I was younger. Funny enough, my background is really in computer science. So tech. yes, you went to Rutgers, you studied yeah. computer science. So wait, what were you going to do with that degree? <laughs> you know, the funny thing is college wasn't something that I was just like, oh, college. It was one of those things where I was just like, oh, college, I guess I'll go. Uh, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I really started as like a business management. And what happened was I moved back to New York from Massachusetts. And when I moved back to New York, I was kind of just working in fashion. I was working in this little boutique. And my childhood, just to go back, I grew up as the only child and I had a lot of uh, computer. Like my mom was just like, listen, a year cable, 
or a computer, HP, Dell, big modem. The kids don't know about that anymore. But like, that was one of those things where it's just like, you could do this or that. And I was like, I'll do right. it. it. We could get on the internet. I'd rather do this and see, you know, when we're still like plugging the thing in the back. Remember when we had to push the cord? Yes, totally. And, and like that was me back then. And I just fell in love with the internet being an only child and just exploring this whole new world. So I did a lot of virtual reality and like the metaverse things like IMVU and the Sims and all these different things. I just became really just infused in internet culture, even with like Twitter, you know, how Twitter kind of started. And from there, I was just like, I'm really good at this. And I learned how to code. I learned how to do HTML. And then from there, Python and all these different coding languages. And the overall goal of me learning was to make sure I had the best online profile and all these apps, you know? Um, And from there, uh, just me being inquisitive, I just would go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. So it's crazy because like in college and high school, like I was always the popular kid, but at the same time, a little like nerdy. A little nerdy? Yeah, like I was in the cool crew, but not the cool kid. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, totally like, makes sense. Like, totally makes true. sense. Yeah. So your mom takes you to a conference one day. Yes. What kind of yeah. conference did you take you to? It was a conference, like a fix your life conference. It was financial literacy and they talked about everything. They talked about stocks, options, 401ks, IRAs, definition investing, TFs, all these different things. And my mom was like, I don't know what they are saying, but I think you do. She's like, Tiffany, I'm like, yeah, I mean, this is nice. We should invest. And from there, I think she gave me like five or 600 bucks and just bought like little stocks here and there. It really oh, was I like- love your mom. That was really forward of her, forward thinking. Yes, because that's my mom. My mom's always been that girl. My mom like kind of take that up from her. She's always trying new things. Like she wants to be a chef one day and she wants to go to design school. My mom is definitely like- I love of, that. Yeah. <laughs> Renaissance woman. So, but you did have student debt after college. I did. Yes. And you had a friend who Mm -hmm. told you to do what? Invest where? So I was working hospitality at this point, you know, after like getting my degree in computer science, I just didn't want to work in that space. At that time, it wasn't as like femme forward. Um, It was still very highly male dominated. So I was like, I love entertainment and I love hospitality. So I worked in hospitality in a boutique hotel in New York, super, super cute, super, super upscale. And my manager, you know, at that time, there was no black women working there. He was a black man. And he hired me as like the first black woman working in this like luxury hotel. So from there, there was just a bond there. And he always looked out for me, made sure I was good. And he was just a Tesla fanatic. Oh my gosh. Like he would pull up in front of the hotel and open his Tesla doors. He was just so like, oh my gosh, like the ditty of like the hotel just doing the most... (laughs) Um, like showing I'm, I'm picturing it. Literally just doing the most. Shout out to Von Davis. He knows. So, you know, from there, one day he's just like, you have to invest in Tesla. And I was just like, okay. I mean, I've heard a little thing about this investing thing before. I guess I got some money here. It was like, just take half your check. Just do it. Like, just do it one day. You'll get more money. You know, you're doing, I'm doing events. I had like a little side hobby. I, I did everyone's websites. I've always had multiple jobs. So it was just like, just take it. Like, it's not going to hurt you. Just sit it and forget it. And I was like, okay. And at that time, Tesla was around like 50, 60 bucks. So it was really, really cheap. Like, imagine. And I did just that. I was just like, okay, I'll do that. And from there, later on, that's when I really got the big chunk of money for me to start investing. So amazing. So you're forever indebted to him. But you started this conversation 
on Clubhouse, which by the way, like during the pandemic, I started super early on Clubhouse and then I sort of forgot about it. But what made you want to start talking about this? So what's really crazy is prior to that, right? I was in this like elite young black millennials group in New York, (laughs) right? And there was a lot of men there and they were into investing and they did options, they did all these different things. And for me, I was in the space and I was making money, but I wasn't as active. Like I didn't come up with my own strategies at that time, like 1K to 100K and all these different things. It was just like, we're doing little things. We're finding great companies, more of like a first principles investor, right? Like you invest in solid companies, not heavy technicals. And they were like really technical, like looking at charts and Bollinger Band, all these different things. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so interesting. But as a woman, they didn't really accept me in the space they didn't take easy where a lot of the other women, they were just like, they're into other things like real estate and all this stuff. I'm like, no, I want to be in the boys career. Like I want to learn about stocks. I want to know what this is about. And they were kind of just not receptive to it. They're really judgy. A couple of the guys in the chat was like, Oh, come over my house. You know, oh, of course, like, you're like one of those, like, no, why? Like we're in zoom culture now. Like, no, you know, like we don't need to do that for you to help. Which is a lot of just things I faced in that group. And like one of the co-founders like embarrassed me one time in the group chat. And like, I asked a question just like, it was silly at the time, but I didn't know any better. And like in front of this discord, it's like 300 people. I don't remember exactly what I asked, but he pretty much just embarrassed me and like had the whole chat, like laughing at me. Oh my God. I hate him. Yeah. So from there, I was just like, you know what? Bump this community. Don't like it. Whatever. I'm just going to start working on my own. And that's when I really spent hours upon hours upon hours. And this is when I started to make a lot more money. At this point, I already started like making six figures in the market and I was just doing my thing. And then Clubhouse started where I'm seeing all these professionals, like all of these guys, literally like Wall Street analysts and all these people like talking about stocks. But for me, I was just like, "Mm, you know, it's a little, little fish, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing. It's working and I love it, but not to like, speak with investors that have been doing this for 50, 60 years. Sure. But what happened was like music clubhouse was just a little too crazy for me. So eventually I was like, you know what? I just want to say something. Let me just raise my hand and say something, you know, share my thoughts. And they loved it. And it, it just built my confidence to talk more because I was researching and studying it. The proof was in the pudding. I was making a lot of money. And yeah. Like, more than I've ever made in my life. Sure. And then from there, the girls were just like, yeah, anytime there's a stock room, we need Tiffany there. We have to have her there. And eventually it came to the point where they were like, Tiff, you just have to start your own, like start your own room. And I'm just like, okay. So I remember like we did it on Clubhouse where we barely even had slideshows. I had like notes down on paper. So I can talk about this, we can talk about this. And the first room we ever did had 500 people in there. People are interested. I was so shocked. Like, wait, me? It was one of those moments where I was just like, wow. And then from there, the next one had a thousand and then 3000. And consistently we were doing like really huge rooms and they were like, you should start a club. Remember clubs became a thing. So we got started a club Then it had 10,000 people. Then it had 20,000 people. At one point we were the largest clubhouse group. Like wow, over a hundred thousand people sign up for our clubhouse group. And then they were like, then clubhouse started to get a little shaky. You know, everyone became like a guru and all these different things had it happening. It's a lot of drama. And then I started meeting like-minded women as well that were in stocks or worked in the space or financial knowledge, all these different people. And they're like, Tiff, you have a system, this works. This is when I created 1K to 100K strategy that 
I do when I'm investing and I was doing it multiple times. Like at this point, I was so close to making seven figures. I was just making so much money. I had really good guidance in the space and they said, start a brand, do it. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, me, chills. I'm chills. Oh, yeah, like organic. It was just an organic moment of, oh, those guys, they actually kicked me out of their group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet they did. <laughs> yeah, they were like, oh, you started your own group. You're going to steal our information and do our list of everything. They were like, You're oh, like, I don't like, need your information. Thank you very much. Honestly, honestly, it's so crazy. Like, it was a blessing though, because that moment was really the moment I was like, get your together, right? You know enough. And then you are a numbers and chart and analytics girl anyways, because of my background in computers and numbers. Like this is something that I do naturally already. So it's one of those things where it's just like, you got this. And I did it. And I had the support of women. There's nothing better when you have a group of women supporting you. Which brings me to your tagline, which I love, which is sisterhood and stocks. Because, you know, it used to be, certainly when I was growing up, like, what do you do with your girlfriends? You go shopping. Now you're just like, what do you do with your girlfriends? You invest in stocks. Literally. Literally. It's so beautiful. It's so much fun because we'll like, especially like our group, because our group right now, um, well, the team, they're all women by design. And, you know, yes. And it's one of those things where it's so great because we talk about life, love, you know, gossip and then stocks. It's so beautiful and it's so fun to see. And I just want to start embedding that culture for more women. And like, this can be really fun and exciting, you know? It's so great what you're doing because you're also like demystifying it, right? You're making it something that people don't have to be intimidated by. And I would love you to speak a little bit about what teen university is and sort of like what you're doing with that as well, because that's also like another group that's behind age wise, but also like you're starting them early. I am. Cause I always felt like growing up as a kid, if I had more money, I could be way farther. I could be, I could only imagine, but I also know at that age, my mind was just so sharp. The things I'll stay up late. It just, you know, and even my friends, whatever our interest was, like we would just really go full throttle, like really do it. And I'm like, if I had money at that age, that 14 to like 19, or my parents had more to give me, I could only imagine. So that's where I was like, you know what, we're gonna, I want to do teen university and those young minds, those minds that may not have the money or the affordability to do certain things, let's provide that, right? Let's give another young Tiffany, you know, an opportunity to learn something, build community and sisterhood as well, because there's women from all over the world that comes to the teen university, but also get the opportunity to build wealth from young. Like, I mean, think about it, right? From 14. Like taking your allowance and investing it. Right. Or like going around Thanksgiving. I was that girl Thanksgiving, you know, going around, hey, uncle, I need some money. Hey, uncle, <laughs> A little fundraising for Tiffany. Apple. Okay, listen, nice. You, you need some money, go get the money and invest in it. Because imagine 10 years, you're, you're 14 and then now you're 24. And yeah. that 500, with a little, and the thing, with a little strategy, right? With a little strategy and you learn that young, you can start so young and make so much money. So this is also incredible, but you are self-taught. So how did you even go about teaching yourself all of this? Because these are complicated yeah. subjects. So it starts off with one YouTube university and then getting actual mentors in the space. So, you know, I went through a lot of different courses, like all these like Wall Street analysts and then also my mentor, right? 
was an investor as well. So I've had a lot of just different people and also a lot of trial and error. So like my story definitely was, you know, a little rocky at first, right? It was 5K and then it was 17K, then back to 10K. Then I put an additional 5K in there. It was just like, you know, I, if I have a little bit more money, it would be a little bit easier. So then that's when I have 10,000 and I'm growing. And it was definitely like an up and down journey when it comes to investing. So it's one of those things where like, I'm like, this process will help me learn. And having people that have been through this before can get to this. Because at the end of the day, if we're going to be real. Investing is not hard. There's things that we deal with as women that are harder than investing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, have you been dated before? Um, <laughs> you know, like there's just little things that are just not as complicated as they make it seem. It's just banter. The financial industry is just a language. Is there any language out there? It's a language that is coded in a certain way that if you're able to debunk that and really break it down, it's really super simple. On the Days where things were sort of going in the downward fashion, and I get that you had mentors and people to coach you, but you must have had also days where you were like scared. Like, did you know what you were doing? How did you sort of keep going and really stick with it? I knew I didn't want to go back to where I was before. That's a huge motivator. And I understood that once you start doing research and you look at the billion years of the world, not the ones that you know, right? Not the notable ones, not the Warren Buffetts, the Chamats, the, the, the Jay-Z's, the Beyonce's, the, just the average day person, that average Joe that may be walking down the block. And how a lot of people build wealth here in the States. And you know that investing has to deal with that. And I know that in my Black community, that this is not a thing. You can't go back. There's no yeah. way. There's just no way, especially when you're trying to build a foundation for yourself to be what you want to be. A lot of black and brown people, they go to school with the idea or just not even black and brown people, people in general, they go to school for money, right? Not of what I want to do, but what's going to pay me the most bucks. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, I don't want to do that. Like, I want to be who I'm designed to be, what I feel in my heart and my core and money shouldn't be that deciding factor. And I knew this would be the way because it was the way for millions of people before me. And I was like, I'm not, I can't go back. You have, you literally have to get this. If you want to be the version of you that you're supposed to be, I'm a creative, a creative girl, right? If you're going to want to explore that. And I love sisterhood. That was another thing. I've always knew when I was younger, I wanted to have a group. Like I wanted to have something working with women. I didn't know it'd be in the form of money per se, because even the events I did, they were like women empowerment events, right? I've always wanted to do something with women, you know, like you need money for that. And you need a clear mind because, you know, having financial stability brings you a clear mind and you need that. And I was like, I feel good with the little 20,000, 30,000. Imagine if I keep on going, there's no way I could go back. I love that. That's so amazing. So this has been a really tumultuous year in the stock market. So, but you're looking good. You don't, there's no grays. I see no grays in your hair. You're still young. <laughs> no grays. So, you know, you have a really big community now. How many members are part of Martin Black Girls today? Right now, about 260,000. 260, mm-hmm. Amazing. So it's funny because you only started this in what, 2020? So this is like brand spanking new, basically. Yeah. There are people who are, probably very nervous, right? To sort of make that first step. So give us the experience of like when you join Modern Black Girl, like what goes on? 
the first thing that goes on when you first join Modern Black Girl is really that welcome intro class, right? Because that intro class is really just an eye opener. It's not heavy curriculum, but more a mindset class for you to really understand that how money works, how it can work and what you're doing with money, right? And then when you start to break things down, you start to understand that I probably did have money to invest and how little it takes. That's another thing, right? People think you need $50,000, $60,000 when in hindsight, you could start with a thousand. I had an intern that started with 500. She's, oh gosh, she has probably over six figures at this point. Wow. Last year. So like when we start to say, hey, it's not that tricky. You've had a thousand dollars before, right? And for me, I'm always like, how much time you went on vacation this month? That's always my thing. Or like, how much did you spend in beauty and hair care at Sephora? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how mm-hmm. when you start putting things in perspective, or how much you, you spent on those dates or for that guy that you're probably not dating anymore. When you start to put things that everyday things that women that we do and just like things that are everyday lives that we don't necessarily need, you'll be like, oh wait, I do have the money. Yeah, right? it's such a good point. I mean even just buying coffees or like taking an Uber when you could have taken the subway. Literally. So that's what it is. It's the mindset. It's the, wait, I can do this. It's not as hard. And once you start bringing things in perspective like that, then their minds are open. And now like difficult topics, because then it's like we butter you up and then we drop the packs on you, right? But it's, just, it's the motivation now to be like, okay, wait, let me keep going, right? And then using me as a vessel and people in the community to be like, if she can do this, right? I always put myself to a level where it's like, if I can do this, anyone can do this, right? Anybody can do this. Just with a little motivation, some community and some support and determination, you can do this. That's so inspiring. I love it. So going back to this year that we've been having in the stock market, Mm -hmm. in an interesting way, the sisterhood part, I think, is also what must keep people sort of sane at a time when maybe things are collectively not going as well numbers-wise. So is there that kind of coaching as well on the days where people are like, oh my God, what is happening? Like I lost X amount and people are like freaking out a little bit? Yes. And that's pretty much the hardest thing that I deal with. The hardest thing we deal with at Modern Black Girl is not the actual curriculum. It's the mindset. Yeah, It's the mindset of taking an L. Because technically women were better at this, but it's easier for men to get into the market. Why? It's because men are used to taking losses, almost in a way programmed to take losses, right? Really? Why is that? I don't know why it's designed that way per se, but if you just look at the life of most men, right? You probably get rejected once or twice a week. Right? <laughs> Think about it, right? Yeah, you treat, like, oh, get away from me. Oh, no. You know, it's a culture in a way. Rejection is a culture, right? There's even sports, right? Men are unfortunately are more tame to do sports. You're taking L's every single day or some, or depending on what side of the spectrum you fall on, right? Sure. As women, If the right man rejects us, that could probably scar us for the next year or two. So true. When men, it could be a beautiful girl. It could be Beyonce. And Beyonce's like, get out of my face. It's like, all right, Beyonce to get out of my face. So that is the issue that I deal with a lot. Because at the end of the day, as women right now, we have money. That's another thing. Like the average income of modern Black girls is like 85,000, believe it or not. So, So good. And this, we have all different demographics. So we have a little money. 
But the mindset of how we spend the money is where the problem comes. And for me, that's where I spend a lot of my time in is, is the loss piece and how to look at taking losses and how much growth and, and the beauty of losses. And once we can debunk that, that's when beautiful things happen. Because at the end of the day, when we think about the market, right? Some of the top companies in the world were built in bear markets, right? If you think about when Apple, Google, Amazon, when they really started to see their momentum, they're coming out of bear markets when these markets are really down. You have to understand what the stock market is to civilization, right? Yeah. And if you understand that this is the core of where money lies, you will know that they will never make this thing completely crumble. And when they do crumble, right? It's just an opportunity to get more. It's an right. opportunity to bring it back up. I tell people all the time that this is just an opportunity. You like a bear market because a bear market lets you know that in the next five to six years, growth is coming. You just have to have the stomach for it. You do, but this is why the community comes in, right? Mm -hmm. The community helps you get the stomach. Once you have the community to be like, okay, this is what you need. This is what you have. You'll get through it. And then just a little bit of reality check and risk management, right? Because risk management is important. Finding good companies are important, right? We do take risks, but educated risks, right? Sure. You know, we're not just dropping money into like meme stocks or anything, you know? We're looking at charts, data, and that's where education comes in. Because if you educate yourself, and that's why we are more of an education group, we're not like a trade for you group, right? We're not a call out group. We are an education platform. That's what Modern Black Girl is. We educate you. So essentially, you can feel confident, especially in these down markets. What is your take right now on everything that we've seen happen with crypto? Because we're at this weird precipice right now where yeah. obviously we've seen the whole NFT craze with artists and all of that. And then obviously, there's so much happening in the space and there's so much excitement, but then there's also so much smoke and mirrors. What do you think? Oh, it's so funny because we just, we are launching Modern Black Girl Crypto July the 11th. Ah! Like literally. So then you are all for it. You'd be surprised. Okay. So let me tell you my stance on crypto. Crypto is a very futuristic thing. Okay. It's something that you see states and you see countries starting to get into the space, but it is something that has more of a future outlook. So for me, we've been planning MBG crypto since we started MBG stocks. It's always been in the back of our mind. But my thing is taking educated risk is okay. That's what I feel like crypto is. And there is things that are, are into play that hasn't quite come yet in full fruition, right? There's a lot of Web3 projects or like mm -hmm. even the idea of like NFTs, right? It's very forward thinking. And I feel like that's great for people that have stocks. If you have stocks, you have a safety net, you have a foundation, right? So if you think about your IRAs or your 401ks or all these different savings accounts or different things that are meant for you to save your money to essentially build wealth or growth, it's okay to take a risk. And an educated risk, because at the end of the day, when it comes to crypto, I do think that the world of crypto now is not going to look like what crypto is actually going to be. Mm -hmm. I think 80 to 90 percent of projects right now will not be here in the next 10 years, will not be the leaders in the next 10 years. But this is the time to find the Amazons, the Apples, the Googles of the Web3 space. 
and start to look in and educate yourself and watch. And that's when you invest, right? And you take that stock money, the money that you made, maybe you planned to make $50,000 and you made a hundred. You take that extra and you invest it in these projects because that will come, right? Everyone's like regulations, regulations. We hate regulations, but they're there for a reason. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we do need them. And, you know, it's like, there should be rules, right? (laughs) Like there should be things in place and it's not bad to have these things. And I feel like because they're not there, these are risky investments, but they could be good risk and there's different ways to handle it. And that's what we're doing here at Modern Black Girl is letting you know, this is how you scheme out a project. Understand the risk level here, right? So you know what you're getting yourself into. So it's not like, oh, I just put my whole 401k in this project because Tesla said, because Elon Musk, the richest man on the world said it was great. And he's the richest man in the world. It's great, right? You know, understanding how to read in between the smokes and mirrors. So to sum it up, I really do think that crypto is great. I do think it's something that has a lot of futuristic outlook. But if you don't ever have $100,000 saved, 50000 Crypto is not where you need to be. Yeah. Not now. What would you say? Because you know this is a thing. So you're taking all of these women and you're educating them on how to invest, which is amazing. But there's so many women, so many young women that I know that I work with who are like, I can't afford a 401k. How can I put money away? I can barely pay my rent. So there's almost like steps and building blocks to this. And I know you're going to go back to what you said earlier about like, well, you have money. It's just the mindset of how you spend it. But what would you say to the women who are like, some people don't even have a savings account because they can't figure out how to even put enough away to actually have that or they don't think they do. Because this is one of those things where like, it's going to take people like me and the other women in the space and the women in my community to normalize this. Because unfortunately, it's one of those things where the more people you see, the more attainable you know it can be. Yeah. And I'm not enough, believe it or not. But the women in my community, yeah, to get that word out. Because at the end of the day, it's one of those things where it's just like, I grew up like with a lot of tough love. So like for me, it's like together, right? Get your, you know, you can do this. You can curse on this podcast. Don't you worry. Oh, I can. Okay. Like, yeah. Get your shit together. Right. Like you can do this. And as we start to normalize this in black communities and show, we show a lifestyle in a way, right? It's a fun, it's not too corporate. I am very crazy. I'm very wild. I'm very, woo, you know, but normalizing that and saying, Hey, but I did just get 300% on that investment or two and that. Yeah. Totally. And it's exciting. It's super exciting. It is. Okay. So what does your mom say now? She must be so proud. Tiffany, what does she say? I think she's like, so to be like full transparency, my mom and I, our relationship started off really shaky. And eventually I'll write a book about it because I think we need to talk about more mom. I don't know why we always see dad and son relationships and depicted in movies and shows. Yeah, that's a good you point. You never see mom relationships with daughter, like daughter-mom relationships and how that's such a, a growth thing. Like those relationships can be very tricky. And, you know, my mom and I, like when I was younger, it was very hard. Like we went through a lot of challenges, but to where we are now, we're great. So she's very proud of me. Like she is super, super proud. I think parts of her kind of feels like, guilty almost for not supporting me 
because she didn't really support me as much. You know, when I asked my mom, because I remember it was a Neo investment. And, you know, I asked her for like a thousand bucks one time. Like, mom, please, I, I promise you I'll give it back. It was like, get the hell out of my face kind of thing. Right. And to now to be the same thing where she doesn't have to work. Right. My mom doesn't work. My mom's on my Amex. She buys whatever she wants, like literally whatever she wants. I'd be like, oh, OK, you went here. You did this. You buy this. And so now for, like I'm taking care of her. Like, yeah. And yeah. it's one of those things where it's beautiful, but I think it's still a lot for her to take in. I know she's, she talks to me about me all the time. Oh, my gosh. And I had my condo in New York. She'd bring her church friends, all these things. She's like, oh, like it was a lot. But I say all of this to say, I know she is extremely proud of me. And I know it's a lot for her to still take in. It's still very fresh, you know? It is fresh. You're right. It only is two years, actually, that, you know, now that you say it out loud. And I do understand that. I mean, I have a daughter as well. And when I first learned about you, I was like, oh my God, my daughter's 14. Like she knows nothing about this. And like, honestly, it was never top of mind to even talk about like we're still trying to like get through eighth grade over here right so mm-hmm. it's it's a really interesting and important conversation but I imagine you know one day when you have kids you'll handle it differently and sure you know yeah I just want to normalize it and I think that's what we want to do like modern blacker I want to be a part of like packages when you get hired when you start a new job you know that first job that target maybe hollister i don't know that's kids first jobs anymore that was mine back in the day uh you know these stores like we should be a part of these packets like shows and shows we should be talking about it they should be kids what are the kids watching now coco melon like they should, we should start pushing these things from young so it can become normalized yeah you're totally right. Not, I prompt like investing is just not that difficult. Algebra, learning that, history, all these different topics are a lot more trickier than investing. You're right, though. It's just not normalized. Also, it's like women are not usually part of these conversations. It's always been a white male world. Yeah. And, you know, what do you just say? You can't be what you can't see, right? Yeah. And it's all a control thing. I say that all the time. It's because imagine a world where we all made money. Yeah, be a great world. It would, but at the same time, it wouldn't. Why? A lot of money in this world is made from others not doing well. If you really think about it, right? If you think about the healthcare industry, you think about the concept of loans, right? There's so much different things in industries where like, Someone has to do bad right. for us to do good. Mm, that's interesting. Everyone can't have money. But the problem with that is it's targeted. And that's where I have the issue, right? And that's what you're trying to solve. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So you wake up in the morning. What's the first thing you read? Ooh. Like, what's your morning routine? What time do you wake up? What are you reading? What are you checking? Where are you going around in the morning? You know, the funny thing is, I think people, they look at me and they think like, oh my gosh, so in the morning, I meditate every morning and I read. Oh no, I don't think you're meditating. No, no, no. I think you're on your game. People think that though. People think there's so much structure. There's so much. (laughs) Some mornings I'm laughing at jokes on Twitter. Some moments (laughs) I'm my friends recapping the night. Some moments I'm just like, oh my God gosh, why do I have to get up this morning? Like I try my best to have a routine, but I am still working on it. But one thing I do do every morning, 
One thing that I try to do every morning, and that's just say a little prayer. I'll do that every morning. And I ask for guidance throughout the day. And let that just guide me. Because I am still working on being more disciplined. I am. Well, that's my goal in life, to be more disciplined. If I can be more disciplined, I, mean, I can do whatever I want in life. So there, there's no real routine right now. But eventually, in three years, we'll do another, two years, we'll do another one. I might have a different answer. For you. Where do you get your sort of like morning news from, though? Is it Twitter? No, no, no. I'm definitely like a CNBC gal. I'm a Bloomberg gal. Twitter, too, for sure. Um, and in my research team, we got a research team. So they usually put a nice little package together for us. Oh, that's helpful. Yeah. Just because you like, I know how I like to look at the market and I kind of train them to see things the same way I do. How many team members do you have now? 15. Just Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Oh my God. So obviously I know your goal is to get 500,000 black women on this platform, but you're almost halfway there already. And it's been like four mm-hmm. seconds. So you got to change that goalpost. You're going to get to half a million really soon, I feel like. You know, here's the thing with us. And this is why I try to do a lot more women-based podcasts or things that deals with women is because, believe it or not, they don't want to hear women talking about stocks and investing. So it's actually really, really difficult to get to that number on a way they don't necessarily want to hear investing for women. So that's another program. They rather hear it from men because that's what they're used to seeing. So sometimes it's hard to get the audience as quick as I want to because a lot of the times the men are talking on these stages. Even if you look at CNBC and all these different places, it's not easy to get the number. I think that first flirt, I'm going to be very honest, I think it was the wow factor. Like, oh my gosh, who's this young girl? Yeah. But now the wow has, it's quieter. Now it's the core work right? Like, no, like this is what you need to do. So we do have a lot of notoriety and people do know us, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Like there's so much like, and this is why I try to do a lot of women-based podcasts. I like to show up in spaces that you don't naturally see people that work in stocks and investing. Like, yeah, for sure not. I mean, I do have a friend, Nicole Lappin, who writes about financial advice and, and she's been on the podcast, but I mean, honestly, I think That's why I reached out to you in the first place, because I think it is so important, especially for women of color to like, make sure people know about this. Number one is really my goal, but also for them to get comfortable with the idea. And honestly, if you take your community that you have right now, and each person just tells one friend about what they've been able to do, you're there. Exactly. And you know, the funny thing is we have some campaigns coming out. Oh, I love that. I'm a marketer. So I love that. Oh, I love that. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Because another thing that people don't recognize, some of my most proudest moments is actually building this team from the ground up. It's so difficult when there's no blueprint to what we're doing, right? You know, going from, I used to manage a team in hospitality, but managing this form of team and creating different roles for your systems and P&Ls and all of these different things that you just go from here to here. It's so difficult. So like, I'm very proud of that, but that is a journey, right? Like, okay, we need to hire this person, not this person, or grow here. We need interns. We need to do this. We need to be front-facing. There's just so much. And 
it's just hard to find proper guidance in this space. So like, those are one of the things that I spend a lot of time on, like the team building. You're only as good as your team. That's a fact, right? But they're also part of the sisterhood. So you're building it together, which makes it so gratifying. And you're providing a service, which makes it even better. There you go. Like what you're selling is like going to benefit the end user. So I always end the episode with how do you want to leave your mark? So let's fast forward 20 years from now. What is our headline for Tiffany James? Oh, okay. The headline for Tiffany James. Hmm. The Brooklyn girl, because I always have to, you know. You got to keep it real, yep. Got to. The Brooklyn girl that took a small trading group to a network and a cultural staple in Black families, because that's what we want to be. We want to be a staple. Like, there's certain things. There's just staples in your family, right? Like, like oh, like, we eat this in the morning, right? We read this. We do that. There's just cultural things. Like, I want Modern Black Girl to be a cultural moment in the next 20 years. Oh, I'm chill. Yes. I love it. Oh, Tiffany, you're amazing. Like, I knew you would be. Aww. I choose my guests very carefully, just saying. So, yeah. <laughs> This was awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to Leave Your Mark, the podcast. If you want more career advice, be sure to pick up a copy of my best-selling book, Leave Your Mark. If you're on Instagram, make sure to follow at Leave Your Mark Podcast to stay up with the latest episodes. And of course, say hi to me at Aliza Licht XO. If you're on Twitter, definitely reach out at Aliza Licht. I would love to hear from you. If you want to subscribe to my newsletter or attend a future virtual mentoring event, go to alizalick.com for more information. And just remember this, if change doesn't hurt a little, it's not change. Keep on rocking.